Hey, podcast fans, this is Chris Webster, founder of the APN, and I just want to thank you for downloading this episode. Please consider becoming a member of the APN if you're not already and helping us make more great shows and get them out to the world. Head over to arcpodnet.com slash members or click the link in the show notes. On to the show. You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Welcome to The Dirt, a podcast about archaeology, anthropology, and our shared human past. I'm Anna. And I'm Amber. And some shouts out to our new beautiful patrons. And they're so smart. Before we begin, thank you to, deep breath now, Lisa, Stuart, Corinne, David, and Ron for supporting the show. And my mom specifically said she joined because she's excited about our special gift. So if you want to join our growing number of patrons and get yourself some bonus content and that upcoming so close, so very close 100 patron gift, head to patreon.com slash the dirt podcast to learn more. Did you put your mother under the impression that she wouldn't just get one from us? I told I, I explicitly told her, mom, I will just give you one. And she was like, I want to help. I know. Well, this week we need all the help we can get. Boy, do we. (laughs) Because we are wading back into the linguistics pond and spilling some secrets. Secret languages, that is. We're talking about secret languages, anti-languages, and can'ts. And that is can't with no apostrophe. Uh, Can't has another unrelated meaning, as it's also used to describe a few Creole languages of traveler populations in Scotland and Ireland, from the Gallic word kent, meaning talk. It's for can't, like how my grandmother would say. I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for our purposes, a can't is the vocabulary and jargon used by a specific group that is internally intelligible, but misleading or completely impenetrable to those outside the group. A similar term is argo, which derives from the French word for slang. Argo generally is used to describe jargon associated with a specific occupation or hobby like medical argo, which is also called medicant, not mendicant, as I originally read. I, yeah, I kept I tried to find a little bit more about the etymology of medicant and it kept being like, did you mean mendicant? And I'm like, no, no, I meant what I said. So, so, yeah. Well, so just medical Argo it is. Yeah, sure. So while your surgeon and all the other medical staff operating on you aren't necessarily trying to exclude you from the conversation about all your bits and stats and beeps and pokey things in the operating room, other Argo are Argos. It's mm. English, yeah. I know. Argos. So it's Argos. Oh, my French mm-hmm. brain doesn't like that. Other Argos are designed to mask trade secrets. A good example of this is Latin dos canteros, or stonecutter's Latin, based on the Galician language with Basque loanwords. It's one of several stonecutter and traveling tradesperson argos used throughout the Iberian Peninsula and used for training in their highly specialized trade and communicating with others in the field. <laughs> Sometimes I imagine in a literal field. By addressing someone in Latin dos canteros and then getting a response in kind from them, you instantly know that this person is a part of your community and abides by the same principles that were instilled in you when you were brought up as a cantero. 
In this case, the Canteros constitute an anti-society, a society that has intentionally been created within wider society with the goal of being different from it. For the Canteros, the purpose of their cant was to preserve trade secrets and ensure confidence in one's own safety, physical and financial safety, when working alongside others. In 1976, Michael Halliday published an article in American Anthropologist that described the languages of anti-societies as anti-languages. According to Halliday, quote, an anti-language serves to create and maintain social structure through conversation, just as everyday language does. But the social structure is of a particular kind in which certain elements are strongly foregrounded, end quote. That article, which you can find linked in the show notes, lays out a framework for understanding the nature and function of anti-languages. Building off the work of others who studied incarcerated populations in Poland and criminals in Kolkata, West Bengal, Halliday understands anti-societies as a phenomenon that provide the member with a second life, describing it thus, quote, the second life is a reconstruction of the individual and society. It provides an alternative social structure with its systems of values, of sanctions, of rewards and punishments, and this becomes the source of an alternative identity for its members through the patterns of acceptance and gratification. In other words, the second life is an alternative reality. Does that make sense? End quote. Yeah. It also just makes me think of the game Second Life and sort of... which. Yeah. is is an alternative reality is it yeah it's not yeah. it's not not that yeah in this theory anti-language is a crucial part of the second life and without its use the anti-society would fall apart speaking the language maintains the reality and re-socializes group members into the counter-reality created in opposition or resistance to some or many aspects of wider society in order for this anti-society to survive, its language must be effective, which is achieved through ensuring that it's inaccessible to a non-member. Halliday explains that the simplest form an anti-language can take is the process of relexicalization, or swapping in new words for old. The grammar stays the same as the original language, but the vocabulary changes and there's continuity between the two. Which means, so it's like the continuity means that like words move from anti-language into language and then and then continue to, to change like there's yeah it's there's not a there's there's not a sharp line between anti-language and, yeah. and language yeah okay in addition to relexicalizing anti-language can also over lexicalize in which there develops several as like dozens of words to express the same concept like having many different ways to describe stealing Something else that anti-language can do by virtue of being an intentionally crafted language is play with metaphor and other for forms of poetics. If you're familiar with Cockney rhyming slang, you may know that plates is used for feet. That doesn't rhyme, you're saying to yourself. Well observed. But plates of meat rhymes with feet. Rather than saying the whole phrase every time, you just say plates and the people you're talking to get the rest. So like apples and pears means stairs, but you just say, I went up the apples. Don't. Okay. <laughs> now that we've set the stage, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll explore some examples of anti-languages. And you might be surprised how many of those words you already know. It's Chris Webster again. If you haven't checked out our new parent website, culturomedia.com, then please do. Culturo is spelled K-U-L-T-U-R-O, and it's where we promote all of our live events. 
We've got one coming up in November. Check it out over at Cultura when it gets posted. If it's already happened and you're hearing this, then as a member, you can go to your member pages and see the event recording. Our live events are always free, but you have to show up during the event to see it. So that's culturomedia.com for all our live events and more. Culturomedia.com. Chris Webster here, founder of the APN and host of several shows. I just wanted to let you know about our membership program and what it offers. Members of the APN get, for just $7.99 a month or cheaper if you pay for the year, ad-free episodes so you don't have to listen to me on the breaks, membership in our Slack team so you can continue the conversation with hosts and other members, and exclusive access to any of our live event recordings. Live events are always free, but you only get to watch the recording if you're a member. So head over to arcpodnet.com slash members for more info and to become a member. Our podcasts are always free, but this is just a little something extra and it really helps us out. That's arcpodnet.com slash members. We're back. While it's not far-fetched to think that anti-languages and argos have existed as long as societies and jobs have been around, like as long as there have been groups of people, there are people within those groups that would prefer to have their own groups. That makes sense, right? Yeah. So I want to start with the earliest example of an English-based anti-language discussed at length, and that is thieves can't. Yes, they can. Got it out of the way early. Yep. <laughs> And when I say at length, I mean it. <laughs> so the earliest discussion I could find dates to 1528 in an anonymously written book, Liber Vagatorum. I think yeah. maybe at that point that was a V. I don't um, know. Liber Vagatorum with a preface written by Martin Luther. I endorse this book. Five stars. A bit more than that. Unfortunately, he wrote enough to include some takes. Oh, boy. So. Turns out the guy who kicked off the Protestant Reformation had also been ripped off one time too many and wanted to get the word he's out. He's a narc. He, no, he's just like, um, you know, there are sometimes people that you see on like the Better Business Bureau and and like other places where like the public speaks, where it's like clear that they have been like scammed several times. I don't want and, this to happen to you. And it's like. It wasn't going to like, that's a, that's cool. an easy one. <laughs> yeah. Like it just <laughs> turns out more like Mark Tin Luther. <laughs> yeah. Oh, excellent use of a can't a word. Thanks. Um, so Liber Vagatorum was translated into English in 1860 under the title book of vagabonds and beggars. Now that sounds by- like an album I would listen to. <laughs> by J.C. Houghton, who proposed the book had originally been written around 1509. So it had been written around 1509, and at some point in the intervening decades, Martin Luther got it and was just like, yeah, and like put a a preface on it and published it. So I'm going to read Martin Luther's preface, the start of Martin Luther's preface, because it's a strong one. He really, he gets, he, he gets there real quick. Okay. Okay. Also, it's got the old timey. I know that. And so it, it like himself. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh, man. Um, which is extra tricky because there's actually an F in it. So this little book about the knaveries of beggars was first printed by one who called himself Expertus in Trophis, 
that is, a fellow right expert in roguery, which the little work very well proves, even though he had not given himself such a name. Himself. But I have thought it a good thing that such a book should not only be printed, but that it should become known everywhere in order that men may see and understand how mightily the devil rules in this world. And I have also thought how such a book may help mankind to be wise and on the lookout for him, viz the devil. <laughs> Truly, such beggars can't has come from the Jews. For many, <laughs> for many Hebrew words occur in the vocabulary as anyone who understands that language may perceive. So, well, he sure here, did get this there, is huh? The narrator voice. It was not, in fact, the Jews who <laughs> Thanks, invented beggars can't. Um, but but they were one of the groups most commonly blamed for it. Imagine, um, along with uh, Romani people, other nomadic groups, and the French. <laughs> Children raised by. The French. The, the French is like a refrain through this. So just like mm, the French. Mm, um, I agree. So all of the books that I'm going to mention for this cant are on the public domain. Oh, nice. Um, so check them out in the show notes and you can you can read them, especially since they all include glossaries. Um, in this case, it's a German based cant. So if you are not a German speaker, it might not help you as much like it might be like mm -hmm. oh it's sure. just another word i don't know <laughs> like translated <laughs> into english I, I looked into like some of the hebrew derived words to be like come on um the first one um where uh, the, the word is ekon to eat so ekon is it's huh. in arabic too Interesting. um so i don't i mean of course it's gonna sound germanic it's a German-based can. Yeah, yeah. Like these are. Mm. Um, and then another one, another one is boss or bet. Like, mm -hmm. So boss or bet, which the author who, you know, the the expertus in Trophus says yeah. um, comes from the Hebrew word bait. Bait, yeah. Well, house. House of, yeah. Or, which yeah. is a house. house. Bait is a house. Just the house mm -hmm. um and so that so boss means house or they also say bet which comes from house but also i was thinking about this a little bit i was thinking about this as i was driving to the grocery store this morning even though i like, when I'm, like thinking about this episode um but bet like is a german word and it means mm -hmm. bed and so like is that it synecdoche yeah it yeah like mean... you know like that's where you go you go to bed at home. Your like, bed's in your home. Yeah, sure. So I don't know, guys. I, I don't ways. think it was the Jews. Don't put this one on, on the Jews. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it was the Jews. Um, so a 16th century. So moving ahead just like a few years, just mm -hmm. like a handful of years. Mm -hmm. So that the English translation was 1860, but it was, but Martin Luther got the word out about those perfidious Jews. Something. It was, that was in 1528. Okay. But it seems that the book, the pamphlet was originally written in 1509. So it sounds like we're jumping ahead in time, but that was just like a translation. So also in the 16th century in England, a magistrate named Thomas Harmon also set out to figure out the deal with this cant and whose fault it was. Uh, because also like it's just like really awful like really awful like derision of the poor and of people who that's yeah, very classist um, yeah and of, of people who participate in like 
like damaging and stealing property oh that like it's like well because they don't have any and so it and also that's how like martin luther is like this is obviously the devil and i'm like well maybe it's like poor people maybe it's yeah i don't know so it's it's very that's interesting also and it's just like whose fault is this these villains i know they're 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 telling on themselves a bit yeah writers oh oh opinions about classism yeah, she's your she's your child, all right. Yeah. So after allegedly giving folks food and resources in exchange for them telling them about their language, he wrote a book with another fantastic title, a caveat or warning for common cursators, vulgarly called vagabonds, whereunto was added the tale of the second taking of the counterfeit crank. Beautiful. <laughs> um, beautiful and stuff. so um I'm gonna read gonna attempt to read um, my goodness there are some f- it is funky words in there it's 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 written in 16th century english and it sucks Ugh. um for me love it for people who do this all the time um but i just wanted to excerpt just a little bit to give you a lens <laughs> into mm. the mind of the author the lens spelled l-y-e-n-e-s-e with an f <laughs> yeah lens okay I hope their sin is now at the highest, and that as short and as speedy redress will be for these, as hath been of late years for the wretched, wily wandering vagabonds calling and naming themselves Egyptians, deeply dissembling and long hiding and covering their deep deceitful practices, feeding the rude common people wholly addicted and given to novelties, toys, and new inventions, deleting them with the... Delighting? Delight, sorry. <laughs> Delighting them with the strangeness. strangeness of the attire of their heads and practicing palmistry to such as would know their fortunes. And to be short, nope. <laughs> all thieves and the word he's written is whose, as I may well write. Um, so thieves and sex workers. Yep. Um, as have had true experience, a number can well witness, and a great sort hath well felt it. And now, thanks be to God, though through wholesome laws and the due execution thereof, all be dispersed, banished, and the memory of them clean extinguished, that when they be once named hereafter, our children will much marvel what kind of people they were and so i trust shall shortly happen of these mm. so it's not the jews no it's the egyptians which are romany is that romany yep. ah yep. okay so that's who it was all right but also Gosh. probably the jews I so mean, that's generally the the view that's like a thi- that that's a few thing. centuries a, a thing yeah yep um yep. In addition to hypothesizing on the identity and character of the yep. origins of, of the cants, um, so these authors seem to take pleasure in going through all the types of beggars and rogues one could meet, like some kind of like antisocial field guide. Um, I, I imagine these books were written about 60% as entertainment. Oh, um, they have to be. Yeah, yeah. Of just like selling itself like, as a public service. But it's, it's like, like this, it's the it's the rogues. 16th, 16th century equivalent of like the learning channel. Mm-hmm. So just be like, let's see what these freaks are up to is like the attitude taken. Great. Um, but people seem to enjoy it. 
So in addition to a glossary, Harmon provides a dialogue written in Cant and English, which Anna and I will perform for you now. Do you want me to be the upright, I'm sorry, the vipright man or the rogue? I can read the, the Cant. Okay. Let's okay. begin with the title. I was going to ask if that was a genuine F or a sneaky it's a, S. Yeah, the F, the F has a line across it. Okay. The upright I don't think there are, there are no SFs in this one. Okay, great. Great, 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 great. Bad money. They had money to burn on this printing. They didn't they need could, to squish they their S's. F's and S's. Mm. Yeah. Okay. The upright cove cateth to the rogue. The upright man speaketh to the rogue. Bene lightmans to thy quorums, in what lipkin hast thou lipped in this darkaments, whether in a libic or in the strummel? Good morrow to thy body. In what house hast thou lying all night, whether in a bed or in the straw? I couched a hogshead in a skipper this darkaments. I laid me down to sleep in a barn this night. Sleep has an accent, so it's like sleep. I think it's a long E. I think that's what sleep. our man is doing. I tore the strummel trine upon the napchet and togman. I see the straw hang upon thy cap and coat. I say by the salamon I will leg of it with a gauge of bean bows, then cut to my nose watch. I swear by the mass I will wash it off with a quart of good drink, then say to me what thou wilt. Why hast thou any lower in thy bong to bows or booze? I think it's booze. Yeah. I think it's booze. Makes, is that where we get booze? I think it might be. Awesome. Why hast thou any money in thy purse to drink? But a flag, a win, and a make. A, but a groat, a penny, and a halfpenny. Why, where is the ken that hath the bean booze? <laughs> it's bene. Where is the how? I don't think it is. But from Latin, it must be like bene. Do you think that the rogue is speaking Latin? I think that Latin was enough of a lingua franca at this time that it would have, the word for good might have made it. Okay, look at how this guy's spelling everything else, my dude. Well, all right. Agree to disagree. Where's the house that hath the good drink? The mort here by at the sign of the prouncer. The good wife here by the sign of the horse. But it is coir bows. I boast a flag the last darkamans. I say it is small and naughty drink. I drank a groat there last night. Naughty drink. But booze there a board, and thou shalt have benship. But drink there a shilling, and thou shalt have very good. Is a shilling more than a groat? Must be. Tower ye, yander is the ken, dupe the geiger, and mond that is benship. See you, yonder is the house, open the door, and ask for the best. This booze is as good as Rome booze. This drink is as good as wine. Ah, yes, rum booze. Wine. <laughs> now I tell her that bene booze makes nays nabbies. <laughs> now I see that good drink makes a drunken head. Mond of this mort what bene peck is in her can. Stop reading it like the Liang Biyue robot. Sorry, it just happens <laughs> in my mouth. Mond of this mort what bene peck is in her can. Ask of this wife what good meat she hath in her house. She hath a cackling cheat, a grunting cheat, rough peck, cassin, and poplars of yarum. She hath a hen, a pig, bacon, cheese, and milk porridge. Sounds great. That is benship to our watch. That is very good for us. <clears throat> now we have well boozed, let us strike some cheat. Now that we have well drunk, let us steal something. <laughs> 
yonder dwelleth. So this is like he's writing. He's writing a dialogue. Yeah. From like so you can. It's so this is like the. Um, it's like the the, pin, the, the Pimsleur Pims, language DVD yeah, Pimsleur, CDs. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yonder dwelleth a queer cuffin. It were banship to mill him. Yonder dwelleth a hoggish and chorlish man. It were very well done to rob him. Now bing we a wast to the high pad. The roughman's is by. Pray let us go hence to the highway. The wood is at hand. So may we happen on the harmons and cly the jark, or to the queerkin and scour queer crump rings, and so to trining on the chates. My God. So we may by chance to sit in the stocks, either be whipped, either had to prison house, and there, sh- and there be shackled with bolts and fetters, than to hang on the gallows. Gary gan the ruffian cly thee. A tord in thy mouth, the devil take thee. <laughs> A tord in thy mouth. What stow you ben ben oh boy, what stow you ben cove and cut ben our wids and bing we to Rome vile to nip a bung, so shall we have. This is exhausting. <laughs> what stow you ben a cove and cut ben our wids and bing we to Rome vile to nip a bung and so shall we have lower for the bosing ken and when we bing back to the disoil. We will filch some duddles of the roughmans, or mill the ken for a leg of dudes. Duds. Duds. Clothes. Yep. Ah! What hold your peace, good fellow, and speak better words, and go we to London to cut a purse? Then shall we have money for the alehouse, and when we come back again to the country, we'll steal some linen clothes of some hedge, or rob some house for a bucket of clothes. A buck of so, clothes? Wow. A, a buck of clothes. Yeah, so, I don't know. Um, so Ooh. that was a different language. It was exhilarating. Right? Was... <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Thank you for everyone. Yeah. For Wasn't that fun? I'm going to cut that together to make us sound so good. Wasn't that fun? It was really fun. <laughs> okay. So, of course, this was written 500 years ago. Steal something. Uh, <laughs> let us steal something. Okay, cool. A very, um, life very hello, dialogue. fellow kids. Yeah, totally normal. <laughs> Hello, fellow rogues. Yeah. Um, so thieves can't change just as much as standard English did over the 500 years. Slightly more recently, in 1811, and another attempt. Oh, gosh. It's because we messed up our language <laughs> brains. Broke my brain. Uh, another attempt to understand the anti-society of thieves and, and others. Um and what they were talking about, the dictionary in the vulgar tongue was compiled by Francis Gross. So choice entries include betwaddled, which means surprised, confounded, out of one's senses. Also, berayed. Breadbasket, the stomach, a term used by boxers. With the example here, I took him a punch in his head. Ba- in- <laughs> I took him a punch in his breadbasket, i.e. I gave him a blow in the stomach. Yeah, that's still that's still a thing. Yeah. Breadbasket? Yeah. It, it's a thing now because oh, I know. it started in Kant. Yeah. I'm, just, so, I'm just going, oh. I'm just, okay, well, I'm just, just enjoying myself. Costard, the head. I'll smite your costard. Means I'll give you a knock in the head. Costard monger is a dealer in fruit, particularly apples. Costard monger. Um, here's one. Dillberries, which are small pieces of excrement adhering to the hairs near the fundament. I um, 
Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and the Dilberry Maker. The Fundament. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's rare that someone can sneak a butt joke up on me. But you sure did do that. <laughs> so, um, French leave. <laughs> to take French leave <laughs> is to go off without taking leave of company. Oh, that's... A saying frequently ap- applied to persons who have run away from their creditors. So this is, again... <laughs> it's it's the insert, you know, group of people that you have scorn for because it's the mm-hmm. same as an Irish goodbye. Um, well, and if you scroll down um, a little bit more, there, no, a little up a little bit, the French disease... Yeah, syphilis. Is, well, it wasn't identified as syphilis okay. in 1811, just of like an STI. It's STI, yeah. Um, so here's one that we that we already have met earlier this episode. A gnarler. A gnarler is a little dog that by his barking belongs to the family when any person is breaking into the house. You have a little gnarler. I've got two little gnarlers. And then finally, one that I couldn't figure out at all. Ars musica. A bum fiddle. Flatulence. Is it a bum fiddle? Like, is it a violin? No, no, no. Work? It's it is a word for flatulence. <laughs> I think you're having me ours on. Musica. <laughs> ours Musica, which is very funny because ours Musica is the musical arts in Latin. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the only. But I get I get it in English now, too. That's OK. Funny. Yeah, it is funny. You know, birthday mm. suit is in here. Right. For being naked. Yeah. So, um, yeah, check these out. They're fun. Um, oh, also Thomas Harmon's um, book from mm-hmm. um, from the 16th century. Um, it ends with a like goofy poem. Oh, boy. And it's just sort of like sort of like to close it all and be like, oh, I finished my book. Oh, what a good look you took. And it's like with like a <laughs> like this like it's just like it's so a little uncool. bit tweet. Like he sounds like the most square dude ever. Okay. Like just like a rude narc. So <laughs> check it out. It's fun. Okay. If you read the dictionary of the vulgar tongue, you'll see a lot of terms that refer to much more than just seedy underbelly goings on. That's because Thieves Camp wasn't just the domain of thieves and beggars. It also included sailors, sex workers, people involved in gambling enterprises, and theater types. This speaks to the second life nature we discussed at the top of the episode, where groups form their own anti-society that exists separate from, but on the same plane as, society. Another example of a language shared by a community that often overlapped with the social categories I just listed is Polari. It developed from an Italian-based language, parliari, which was used by traveling entertainers, sex workers, buskers, thieves, and panhandlers around the Mediterranean until arriving in the UK and pulling from Cockney rhyming slang, backslang, pronouncing a word as if it was spelt backwards, French, Yiddish, and American Air Force slang. It filtered through the theater industry and ultimately found its place as polari, a secret language among queer and trans people in London and elsewhere. Until 1967, CE, homosexuality among men was illegal in the United Kingdom. It was never illegal for women. It seemed like it was um, totally fine to be queer in the UK until around 597 CE. What happened? Just laws. Christianity. Right. Huh. 
Some should, like there was a should. law put in place. I yeah. was just like, Mm-mm. all right, downhill from there. In 1967, the Sexual Offenses Act legalized homosexual acts in England and Wales on the condition that they were consensual, in private, and between two men who had attained the age of 21. Decriminalization of homosexuality was extended to Scotland in 1980 and Northern Ireland in 1982. Linguist Paul Baker has studied Polari for decades and writes in the conversation about its function, saying, quote, in a period when homosexuality was illegal and heavily stigmatized, it was useful as a means of conducting conversations in public spaces, which would have alerted others to your sexuality. Many of the words allowed speakers to gossip about mutual friends or to critique the appearance of people who were in the immediate vicinity. Vada the naf strides on the Omi Ajax meant, look at the awful trousers on the man nearby. Inserting a Polari word, such as bona, good, or polone, woman, into a sentence could act as a coded way of identifying other people who might be gay. The language itself, full of camp, irony, innuendo, and sarcasm, also helped its speakers to form a resilient worldview in the face of arrest, blackmail, and physical violence. Polari speakers christened themselves with camp names like Scotch Flow or Diamond Lil, affording themselves alternative identities that reclaimed the representations of them as effeminate in positive ways. End quote. Even if you didn't see Carry On films or listen to Around the Horn, you probably are you or- familiar with either of those. Yeah, I, they're British, very sort of campy. It was a serialized radio show. Oh, I thought it was. And, more like, hmm. and and so both of them involved Kenny Williams, queer icon Kenny Williams. Uh, he was a like a comic actor, mm-hmm. and um, there's uh, there's a a very funny. It, it's it's very much like of its time, I guess. But there's a very funny one about um, a bookstore, the uh, a guy who like the the straight man, um, yeah, like comes goes into a bookstore because he needs to buy something, and um, they like San- Julian and Sandy are the characters, and they perform like basically like Shakespeare, but in Polari, <laughs> and they're talking about like the different like the you know two two omies of of Verona and as they like it. And he's like, do you mean as, as you like it? And it's like, oh no, but live and let live is what I say. <laughs> and you have to imagine it's, it in a very camp, like, oh no, British accent. Yeah. Like, yeah. Which, yeah. Camp. Mm-hmm. Polari word. Hey, even if you didn't see carry on films or listen to around the horn, you probably already know Polari words, butch, camp, zhuzh, dish as in to dish gossip, handbag, as in secure the bag. But for another example, there's the Polari Bible, compiled by the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, which opens Genesis with, quote, In the beginning, Gloria created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was nantiform and void, and Munge was upon the eek of the deep, and the fairy of Gloria trolled upon the eek of the aquas. And Gloria cackled, let there be sparkle. And there was sparkle. And Gloria Vardad the sparkle that it was Bona, and Gloria Medzard the sparkle from the Munge. And Gloria screeched the sparkle Giorno, and the Munge she screeched Nachi, and the Bijou Nachi in the morning were the first Giorno. If you have seven minutes to spare and want to see a short film set in 1962 London, Putting on the Dish is written in Polari and follows a chance encounter on a park bench. We'll have the link to the film on YouTube, as well as the screenplay in the show notes. It's very affecting. 
Mm. In the film, very good. one of the characters is reading A Clockwork Orange, a novel by Anthony Burgess that contains NADSAT, a fictional anti-language. Another place where the two appear together is on David Bowie's final album, Black Star, in the song Girl Love Me, written in NADSAT and Polari. A final note on this type of cant is that even though homosexuality was decriminalized in the UK in 1967, it had by that point established an entire empire of states upholding colonial laws. As a result, LGBTQ populations are to this day marginalized and criminalized in societies that prior to colonization had vastly different attitudes toward human identity and behavior. There exist queer anti-languages in many places, often as a response to colonial and or religiously informed subjugation. Here are some examples. By no means exhaustive list. No, no. In Zimbabwe and South Africa, where Isi Nkumo emerged as a cant among queer speakers of Bantu languages and Gaeli among those who spoke Germanic languages. Svardspeak is used in the Philippines and comes from Taglish, which is English plus Tagalog. Lubunka is an argo used among sex workers and LGBTQ folks in Turkey and derives its name from a Romani term for a sex worker. Hijra Farsi is not derived from Farsi, but is an anti-language used among transgender and queer people in South Asia. So I learned something. I mean, I think I learned something. Uh, Like, I think it's true that um, uh, Hijra Mm -hmm. in... So I understood Hijra to be... Uh, a a term like only used for trans women. Yeah, that's um, what I thought in in South Asia. But it seems that Hijra Farsi and possibly the Hijra community extends beyond just trans women and also includes femmes. So, okay. um, so so men who are um, who are effeminate and prefer to have a like submissive role in in same-sex relationships mm, mm-hmm. um and also um eunuchs um intersex people and asexual people interesting and so i was just like what's up fam huh um, and so this is a this is a language that's used among that population and and in many cases um they live within their own community mm-hmm. so one would leave their uh like their family or their their community to go live with um with other hijra people yeah, and so family. i yeah so I, I learned that that's that's very cool i was just like oh that's nice so i was i was moved by it. but it's actually from um hindustani oh, but it just but was just called they just called it farsi i think it's because of sort of like what it was what it wasn't in the period sure. where it, okay. like like where if it, it's it, not Hindustani, it's Farsi. Well, it is it is Hindustani, but like no, in, but the, I mean, in the time that like when the language developed and it was sort of like, well, it's not us, so it must be far. It that's must not I mean. our language, like, so it must be Farsi. Yeah. yeah, okay. Like that's I think huh. that so it's like a like a false. It's, it's an other. Yeah, it? it's just other. It's the word for other that made sense at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we'll include a link to a brief column about the subfield dedicated to language and speech among queer communities, Lavender Linguistics, from the Linguistic Society of America, where you can learn more. And so let's take one more break now, recover from all of that can't, and then we'll finish up. (laughs) 
This is Chris Webster with the APN. I'm also a project manager for several industries. I wouldn't be able to keep on track with really anything if it wasn't for Motion. With Motion, I just say what I need to do, how long I think it will take, what sort of priority I think it has, and Motion builds my day for me. It'll even build in breaks because, let's be honest, it's hard to remember to stop to eat lunch sometimes. So head over to arcpodnet.com slash motion for a free trial and a discount if you sign up. You'll kick back a small amount to the APN if you do. That's arcpodnet.com slash motion. Hey, fans of APN Podcasts, we've got lots of designs over at our Tee Public store. Every purchase helps out the APN with a few cents back to us. Check out the high-quality t-shirts, stickers, phone cases, coffee mugs, and a lot more. There are lots of colors to choose from in most of those items, and Tee Public often runs 30% discounts. So check out the store at arcpodnet.com slash shop. That's arcpodnet.com slash shop, and click on the link. Okay, so we're back. We're in the home stretch, and I will be the first to say that this episode has been very, very Anglophone. You know, even if it's five hundred year old Anglophone, um, that's that's but, kind of unfortunately built into us being Anglophone. Yeah, but it was very hard to adequately appreciate the way anti languages work in languages that I don't understand. Yeah, exactly. Um, or in which I only understand a few buckets of vocabulary. You know, like being a tourist and reading archaeological reports. Many is. Um, yep. However, we can't just focus on English-based anti-languages, which we've like tried not to do. So let's take an example from French that employs another approach to forming an anti-language, which is fun. Um, so Verlan is an anti-language associated with the banlieue, the suburbs outside large cities where one can find youths, immigrants, and the working class, which are like the scariest things ever to conservative society. Indeed. <laughs> and sometimes they're... Oh, three. Ah! Um, so the name Verlan itself is an example of the language. So it's a language in l'envers or the reverse. So by swapping the syllables of l'envers to verlan, one gets Verlan. Uh-huh. So by doing so, it makes it hard, if not impossible, to understand what they're saying by someone outside the group in conversation. So it's like pig Latin or how you and I regularly text each other in Ermagod Brooks format. Ermagod. Ermagod. So, <laughs> however, unlike when I mistakenly share something about Permkin Spurs to my work teams channels. Did you do that? <laughs> yes. Oh, like, oh, no. oh, God, you don't know what I'm talking about. So some words have filtered from Verlan into common usage, such as woman or wife um is femme and so you take femme it's not even like syllables it's just parts of the word so femme there's femme there's femme yeah <laughs> and so you you switch you swap it to meh so you get muff and so mamuf is now my girlfriend ah my femme, so like my girl yeah all right um and so crazy, like that's you know, crazy, cra- crazy in the colloquial. Yeah, it foo. So yep. you you swap it. Oof. And so oof means like bonkers, like banana pancakes. Were you there last night? It was oof. <laughs> um, so the <laughs> could you sound more square? <laughs> um. So the name of the singer Stromae. So do you? Re- so oh, okay, I guess nobody. Like you don't have to remember the song Allos on Dance uh, from like 2010 because it's now like a TikTok thing. Yeah. I guess. 
Yeah. Uh, but it was like a, it was a huge song and it like, I, um, I was in the field at that time. Yeah. And so like on like to. Dubai radio, when it was like very, like very the like love UK doctor was and, like, kicking around the love professor. It was the love professor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the name Stromae is a very long version of the word maestro. I get it. So if this is fun for you, or if you want to be hip with the kids in France from 2010, we'll We'll include a short article with lots of vocabulary in the show notes. Um, but alas, you will probably be seen as a huge square anyway if you try deploying Verlon because now that other people have started using, it's losing its edge and falling at failing at one of the core principles of an anti-language that Halliday laid, Halliday laid out at the beginning of our episode. It's supposed to be unintelligible. Yeah. So enter Ray Verlon, in which the syllables are flipped once again to produce a new word so um take the word for cop like like a police officer you ca- calling a cop yeah in flick in in verlon it's kuf but to keep it useful ray verlon takes ke and flips it to fuck well oh so gosh. what do you think i learned you so think? much I learned I, so much. I didn't know that this existed at all until several months ago when I learned about Polari and I shared it with my works um, queer affinity group. And uh-huh. we were all like, what? what? And so we just like had so much fun and we learned about, you know, our forebears. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's so cool. Um, I, th- I think I'm, no, it's just that I think I'm still processing like the, the creation of little you know, clicks and vocabulary within those clicks is something that occurs on such a small scale, just kind of universally, just like even like kids and kids coming up mm-hmm. with, with words for things and, and sort of funny in jokes. But then if you scale that up to a community that historically is, is sort of uh, at the lower end of the power scale, you know, uh, that is, that has either less agency or less advantage. If you scale that up, yeah. you get, you get can'ts. And, yeah. and I think that's, I think that's really, I think that's a really cool example of kind of a, a behavior that just seems to happen anyway, but then on a, on a larger scale and, oh, yeah. and in you a could go social to a, context. You could go to a new place and just like drop a couple words and, and it's more than just, you know, it's more than just like being a, like a zoomer. Like, oh, it's, yeah, it's like like it. But it's it's sort of um, you would be able to be like, OK, like there is a list of things that I now know about you. Yeah, um, it's a, a coded. This. It's code. Mm-hmm. It's it's a secret yeah. code. Yeah, it's a way right. to move through the world um, safely, safely. Yeah. And, uh, productively. It's like you both found the decoder ring in the cereal box and you like casually, like you kind of flash it at the other person and they're like, oh, I too have the decoder ring. Look, all of my, well, all of my analogies, I'm in my parents' house. And so all of my analogies relate to like my childhood because I have fully regressed. No, I never had the decoder <laughs> ring. So um, don't forget, everyone, you can find show notes to read all those old books I linked, <laughs> um, as well as all our other it's content. It's so hard to read when you make your F's S's. It isn't actually an F. I know, well, I know but to my <laughs> brain it is. And yeah. so it might as well be. But all of that's on our website, thedirtpod.com. Um, or you can find it on Apple Podcasts. Podcast. Spotify. 
Spotify, Audible, and anywhere else you like to listen. You can also find us on social media. On Facebook, we're The Dirt Podcast. On Twitter, we're at Dirt Podcast. And on Instagram, we're at The Dirt Pod. And if you also go over to thedirtpod.com, you can find our merch, stuff about our Patreon, um, you know, resources uh, for everything. Yeah, everything we link to. Everything. All of it. It's all over there. Yeah. It's on our website. It's a great website. Thanks for listening, everybody. We love you. Goodbye. Oh, we should have looked goodbye. up what goodbye was. I, know, in, that's, in I, I just like froze. Yeah. Um, well, well, can't at you later, rogues. This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV traveling the United States, Tristan Boyle in Scotland. DigTech LLC, Cultural Media, and the Archaeology Podcast Network. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Please consider leaving a review on your favorite podcasting app. You could also consider becoming a member so we can keep content like this free and available to all. Check out pricing and info at archpodnet.com slash members. Thanks again and have a great day.